we'll talk about it being a must-win game uh, for the Bucks as well. And we'll bring in someone who knows a little bit more about the Bucks. Uh, our guest this evening, Greg Allman. Greg's been covering the Bucks since 2013, covering them for the Athletics since 2018, with the Tampa Bay Times since nine, uh, for 19 years with the Tampa Bay Times, if I remember correctly, Greg. And you are the co-author of Champa Bay, which is the unbelievable story of the 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers championship season. Greg, thanks for joining us again on the Irish NFL show. Great to see you. Hey, thanks for having me. Hope you guys are doing well. We we are indeed. And Greg, we're going to get to Thursday night football, but I just want to know, I'm a little bit worried about your your safety and your sanity, given everything <laughs> that's gone on in Tampa Bay in the off season and during the season for the last three years. Like, have, have you had a holiday? Have you had a yeah. day off at any point in those three years? I have. It has been busy. And, and obviously there's a... Uh... It seems like there's even more interest in the team when it's kind of a, a circus like it is right now. Um, I think it's like NASCAR. Everybody watches for the wreck sometimes. Um, yeah, it, it's been busy and hectic. But, you know, as a beat writer, you'd rather have that than no interest in your team and nothing to write about. So, Well, certainly plenty of interest in the box, even from this side of the Atlantic. And we may touch on that uh, trip to the upcoming trip to Munich. But I suppose, um, Greg, you know, there was a lot of talk in the offseason after everything happened with the change of head coach and Brady stepping out, Brady stepping in. But it was almost expected to to be business as usual. And yes, there were the injuries on the O-line, especially, um, you know, and that that's probably proved bigger than we expected but did anyone and are you surprised that you know it's for like up to this point over the past two years with Brady it was two losses so they've doubled the, the number of losses are, are you surprised that that has happened or or was should should we have seen maybe the amount of changes and the amount of injuries would lead us here I don't think anybody saw like the offensive scoring issues they're having you know this was very much a, a 30 point a game offense one of the best in the league, you know, who did the touchdowns go to? You know, you talk about Tom Brady having 40 touchdowns in a season. Tom Brady has eight touchdowns in seven games. Um, and you can absolutely laud him for only having one interception. He's got the fewest in the league and he's avoided sacks. But this hasn't been like a game manager offense. This this has been a, a highlight reel scoring 30, 40 point offense. And it doesn't look anything like that the last few weeks. It's, it's, uh, you know, you wonder if they can flip a switch and get back to who they were or whether this is the, the funk they're going to be in for this season. Greg, there was more scrutiny on the defense last week as well because of, I suppose, in, in the run game in particular, they gave up 170 yards. And yeah. Is it a case that they're trying to deflect from the Brady offensive struggles in, and put it on the defense? Because the defense, for large parts, early on in the season was playing quite well. Yeah, I think the defense, I mean, if you ask me right now, I'd say the defense has exceeded expectations. They're, they're giving up. I want to say it's like 40 points less than they had through this many games last year. Um, and the offense is probably, you know, 12 points a game worse, maybe. But no, I mean, I think the defense in Carolina on Sunday, the defense played really well for about two and a half quarters. It's like they'd held Carolina to seven points. I think Carolina went three and out on their first three drives of the second half. Um, and then they lost Antoine Winfield. And then Carolina's kind of running wherever they want. I think Carolina rushed for 139 in the second half. Um, but again, if your offense has three points, it's hard to point a whole lot of fingers at a defense that gave up 21 and one of the touchdowns was, was pretty late. So uh, the defense is injured. I'll definitely say that. This sounds a lot like last year in that uh, 
against Baltimore, they're going to be down four of their top six defensive backs. I mean, no Antoine Winfield, no Logan Ryan. That's arguably your top two safeties. Carlton Davis is your best corner. And then Sean Murphy Bunting would start in his place. So they'll have a nickel defense out there on, on Thursday night that has three guys that didn't take a defensive snap in the opener. And that's not the recipe to how to stop a, a top five rushing attack for sure. Yeah, and I was gonna I was gonna touch on that as well, uh, Greg. I mean, yeah, what the injuries are mounting up on that defensive side just at a time when the offense isn't operating. I mean, there's been a lot of focus on the head coaches around the league this year. Obviously, there always is, but especially guys in their first year. It's sometimes overlooked. Todd Bowles, of course, is in his first year. I mean, like he formed a great defense and now he's the man in charge. Um whilst ignoring maybe some of the you know, strange circumstances in which that came about right. during the off season. How do you reckon he's been handling that? Someone who sees him daily, the interactions with the press, et cetera. And um, how would you rate him in terms of performance as a head coach so far? Yeah. I mean, the record certainly isn't where you expected them to be. And I mean, I can remember when they were three and three, it's, it's, it's kind of like you said, well, you know, they had those first four games we knew would be tough. Um, you know, they're within a win of where they are. But then the, the Carolina loss, I don't know. I mean, they had won four in a row against the Panthers, all of them by at least 14 points. So that that's that's a game you probably should have been able to not pencil in, but pen in, you know, and then to lose it and lose it as thoroughly as they did. Uh, again, it's like now all of a sudden you're like, wow, so what games can they win if they play like that the rest of the season? Um, I think Bowles is in, it's interesting in that like his demeanor publicly is is very different from Bruce. In that Bruce, you knew exactly how he felt. Um, you you got exactly the blunt, honest truth from him. And and Todd, uh, maybe this is a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing. Is very different. Todd is is still encouraging and glass half full and positive, hopeful. And that's probably not what Bucks fans need right now. I think Bucks fans want that fire and brimstone. They want you know calling people out and dropping f bombs and knowing that he's raising hell. I think Todd Bowles is probably just as upset behind the scenes as, as Bruce is. He's just not showing it publicly. So that's probably where the, the difference is the most glaring. If they win Thursday, and that's a huge if given where they were, they're fine. I mean, they're not where they want to be, but this is a bad division and a bad conference for the most part. I mean, except for you'd say Philadelphia and the Giants and the Vikings are doing great. But the Rams are three and four. The Packers are three and four. The three teams we thought would own this conference all have a losing record and are struggling. Um, I think all three will still find a way to make the playoffs, you know. But the Bucks have to wake up out of this fast or it's going to be, I mean, if they lose Thursday, now it's the Rams who have beaten them three times under Brady. And you blink and now you're three and six and you're trying to get a win in Germany to get to four and six. That That's not what Tom Brady came back for. And yeah, I suppose then building on that, Greg, and I know you addressed this in um, a really interesting piece that you had in The Athletic, but this, when given it's Brady, this probably is the last, you know, go, go around for Brady. Realistically, it's the last rodeo. You've talked about the division and the conference, and I think that's probably why the Eagles have looked at it and said, yeah, let's bring in Robert Quinn because there's not a huge amount out there and anyone thinks that they, they fancy their chances. The Bucks surely have got to do something. I mean, you talked about in your piece about left guard. Surely they've got to address some of the holes in the roster. Yeah, I think especially if you think about how much they did 
in July to bring in Julio and to bring in Kyle Rudolph and bring in Akeem Hicks. Um, not that those three have worked out at all, but the intention was, hey, let's do everything we can to build a winner around Tom Brady and kind of make the most of that. I don't know that it's um, – now it's different because it's a trade deadline. So now you have to actually give up future assets, you know. I, I think they've done things for 2022 at the expense of the future all along, you know. From a cap standpoint, they're like $50 million over the cap for 23 right now. And they've done that with the understanding that the priority is to win now. You have an amazing opportunity with the greatest quarterback to ever play the game right now. So why, why would you, it's kind of like, you know, why would you leave money in your wallet if you know that this is going on right now? So I just think of the trade deadline as an extension of that. And I'm not saying they have to go out and give up future number ones, but I think if they didn't, if they just stood, stood pat with what they have, and they go like seven and 10, they're going to feel like there was a tremendous opportunity wasted. So I don't know if that means it's a guard. Everybody wants Mike Jasicki from the Dolphins to be the new tight end. I don't know how drastic it'll be, but I, I have to think they're players between now and Tuesday. Whether they win Thursday or not, they're going to have holes that need to be upgraded. They know more about their injuries than we do. So they know when these guys are coming back. And I think there's definitely a model where by December, Akeem Hicks is fully healthy, and Julio, crazy as it seems, is healthy. And the secondary is healthy, and Winfield is back, and Davis is back. And they look like the week one bucks that were good enough to beat a Dallas team that's, that's barely flinched since. But they have to get there, and they have to make sure that when they get healthy, they're healthy in the playoffs and not healthy at 7-10. and 10. So I really think they can make a move without giving up a whole lot. Just give up late-round pick or two, um, fill in some holes, guard against future injuries we're not even aware of happening yet and, and help themselves out. Greg, we haven't really, really got into Tom Brady, the way things have kind of played out at the start of the season. Like his demeanor seems very different to people from afar watching his press conferences. Um, on the sideline, he seems a lot more agitated. You could put that down to performances. Then there was the 10-day break in, in the training camp period, which everybody found a bit unusual. From someone who's there and close to the situation, how are you taking, taking all this in? How do you is there anything in particular that you put it down to? Yeah, I think obviously Brady's got a lot going on in his life. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's even dealt with the football adversity that he's dealing with right now. Um, the last time he lost even four games in five, like they've lost right now, was 2002, uh, 20 years ago. So as much as he can talk about, you know, this is adversity, this is how we respond, he hasn't had to respond to a lot of adversity in his career. He's had 13 seasons where he lost no more games than they've already lost this season. Um, so there's not many things that he doesn't have experience at. This is kind of one of them. He doesn't really have to dig. I think about that, like the movie where the plane is like flying down and they're, they're trying to pull back and pull up. He hasn't had to do that a lot. And it's a challenge. I don't know if he expected to do that with his team, but I think he has to do that. His demeanor, um, I don't think Tom's ever been good at, at – putting on a smiling face and having the body language and the attitude on the sidelines. He was joking that like he seemed to remember a time where the sidelines didn't focus on him and he could just go off on his lineman anonymously. I don't remember when that was. Um, so I, I think to see him annoyed in press conferences, to see him frustrated on the sidelines, that's who he is. And that's who he is when they win. So you kind of have to expect it to be who he is when they lose by 18 to a one win Carolina team. 
Yeah, and I think Bill O'Brien and Josh McDaniels will also acknowledge that even offensive coordinators sometimes get the brunt of uh, Brady's temper as well. Um, it's very funny, Greg, you mentioned Mike Gesicki. I happen to have a personal bit of a man crush on Mike Gesicki. He's, you know, his hands are like shovels. He's unreal. Um, but um, is there any point in Tampa trading for them, him? Because as you tweeted out before, they haven't actually varied their offensive personnel very often, like Vaughn's getting no playing time. It seems to be the same static kind of lineup and setup, depending obviously on injuries. And they've had a few of those on the offense, but you know, the tight end position seems almost like set and stayed. Same with the running back position. It's Fournette, you know, exactly until it's third down and who's going to roll out. Like, especially how this matches up against the Ravens defense tonight. I mean, do they not just have to reinvent the wheel a little bit there, even outside of any trades or dramatic moves? Oh, no, I do think they have to shake it up. Because like I said, the probably the biggest criticism fans have right now is that they feel like the offense is predictable. Um, the first down runs are infuriating. Um, the dump offs, the screaming. I mean, if they threw one more screen pass Sunday at Carolina, I think people were going to throw their phones through the TV or something. Um, in that they, it, it seems like, I think we have, we all have memories of this team throwing the ball downfield so well. It's like the the number that I keep going back to is is thirty yard plays, and, and the Bucks had thirty three of them in two, in twenty twenty to lead the league, and they had twenty seven last year, and they have four right now. And it's just such a small number. It's such a glaringly low number that speaks to um, how Brady has kind of gotten himself so um, cautious to get rid of the ball as soon as possible. It's like the ball is this ticking time bomb in his hands. And that first play against Carolina, the the first throw where where Mike Evans is wide open, was such a promising play because it had great blocking in front of him. Brady had patience. Evans clear knocked the corner down and had he caught that, had that come together, it would have been an affirmation of everything they used to be and everything they still can be and all that. And he didn't. And instead they kind of went back to screen and screen and dump off and death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, so no, I, I think you came back to Jasicki originally. I, I like the idea of Jasicki. I, I don't know if they'll give up the pick they'd have to, to get Mike Jasicki. But I think if you think about how much they miss Gronk and how, uh, how much they struggle in the red zone. I think having one more uh, Evans Godwin level target to throw to, like if you're not sure Julio Jones is going to come back and be that guy, I think Mike can be that guy. And even if you have no intention of signing him beyond this year, um, if you can get him and it's whatever, like $6 million to get him for the rest of this year, fit him under the cap, uh, you get a third or fourth round comp pick for losing him a year from now. That seemed like a really good deal. I, I'd be surprised if, Miami is a good enough team and still in contention enough where it surprised me if they give away a key piece like that, but they aren't using him much to be honest. And they know they're not going to resign him. So if they'd rather get that pick earlier and have something to show for it, maybe they think they can win without him. I don't know. He would be probably the biggest name of all the people we've floated as potential targets for the bucks. They could get to help themselves out. Well, we certainly look forward to seeing how it plays out in the run-up to, to Tuesday and what might happen, and also um, to see how uh, how it will play out for the Bucks for the rest of the season. We will have a contingent in uh, Munich, Greg, so we look forward to, to saying hello to you there. And look, we want to thank you again. You've been always so generous with your time. We always appreciate having you on the show. And uh, yeah, we can uh, hopefully buy you a pint in, uh, in yes. Munich. Please message me in Munich. I really hope to meet you guys. Uh, really looking forward to that trip. I wasn't always sure I was making it. So now that I know that I am, I'm really excited. And my dog barking at the last minute just to 
sounds like the dog's excited about Mooney. My, my dog did that uh, the Super Bowl year. My dog did that with Gronkowski, like right as I was asking a question, and it's still barking, which is awesome. But anyway, very much looking forward to seeing you guys in Munich. Thank you guys for having me on. Sorry about the dog. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. Right. Sorry about Thank you. you guys. Take care. <laughs>